Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to the latest edition of Switch of Play. And uh, good evening, Mickey Barron. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm, I'm I'm a bit tired actually. That's why I've got the glasses on tonight because I just feel worn out. And uh, obviously, a bit of a strange week back at work, back at school full time. And um, it's just been it's been a hard week to be honest. So um, yeah, but apart from that, I think everyone's feeling quite positive about. Um, the future and, and what we're hopefully going to be able to do soon. So apart from it looks like both of us needing a haircut. Oh, uh, unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> we're all, all right, thank you, Mark. Well, how has it been at school? Because obviously people have been talking about that and, you know, the testing and the, the precautions you've got to take. Has it been a bit of a trial? Yeah, it has. I, I mean, there's a lot of work goes into it. Um, and uh, the, the kids have to, to come in, in in certain times and, only into certain areas and then they go to lessons after that. But it's just a strange feeling at the moment. It's not like when we were before the other lockdowns, you know, when you when because it's sort of coming at the end, hopefully. But the testing seems to have ramped up. So it's strange because you're sort of looking like towards the future and and hopefully everything going back to normal. But we seem to be doing more testing and everyone has to wear masks all day now rather than just inside. So it, it's a little bit different, but um, it was just nice to get back and see everyone, and, and obviously get all the, all the students back as well. Well, hopefully, yeah, take our take our minds off everything tonight, and then go back into the yesteryear again with with our latest guest. I was just saying, I've, I've been totting up just how many player appearances we've had on Switcher Player over the uh, over the period we've done it, and we've just passed three thousand, and that's, really? that's without Chris Westwood tonight. He takes us up there. 3,300 actually because he made 293 appearances I think for for the club so it's quite a lot of appearances to have on isn't it? Yeah it's incredible when you think about it because we, we were actually at me and Nels were talking about this the other day with the, with the staff at Blythe and, and one of them was saying like I'd been there a long time and I says I had but if you look at the team that we had and the success we had in the team, we had a lot of players that had made a lot of appearances. Mm. It wasn't just one or two that was over 200. And, and, and if you had in this, to like Sweens into that, we haven't had Sweens on yet. We made like a lot of appearances as well. So, and I think that was that was part of the the success that we we were all together for a long period of time and and knew each other inside out. I was just thinking before we came on there, Westy, apart from my wife, I've spent more time in hotel rooms with Westy than anyone else. Oh, was he your room? He, he was my roommate, yeah. So we um, no doubt he'll he'll have a few stories. But he, he actually came to live with me as well when he first came up. Him and uh, Sam Sam Shilton moved in with me for a couple of um I was living on my own at the time. So Schultz and uh, and Westy moved in for a couple of weeks before Quality. they got a house. So yeah, so and it, it was one of those one of those relationships and, and I remember telling me afterwards and I'll ask him about this tonight his first impressions but just seemed to gel straight away just seemed to, to have a rapport almost instantly and uh, and I felt so comfortable around him and I, and I know a lot of other people felt like that he's he's one of those people that not many people have got a bad word to say you know no. what I mean you'll find lots of people that think I'm a dickhead or whatever you know what I mean but Westy's one of those people that in the round Hartlepool, he was loved. He'd come up to Chesley Street and people were like, oh, he's such a nice guy. And Nick's mum loves him. And do you know what I mean? It's just everyone you seem to talk to it just appreciates what a really nice guy is. Good footballer as well, by the way. Yeah, good footballer. I think he was underrated. And, and to be honest, I've watched the, the Twitter feeds of the, the goals and he scored quite a few goals that I totally forgot about. And But he was reliable. He was strong. He was a good defender. And he was a good footballer, and I think he probably he probably was underrated in that team. 
What was he? Obviously, a bit of part of the spirit as well. He was good crack, wasn't he? He was popular in the dressing room. Yeah, he was. He was. He was. He was one of those that was sort of would take a step back, though. He wasn't always directly involved in everything, but he always had a hand in something. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was always. He was always in about it. Uh, he, loved, <laughs> he loved loved the night out with us. Do you know what I mean? He loved coming out, and I remember again. It's a story we'll tell. His first night out in Newcastle, we had a night out together, and. Um, but he, he, he enjoyed the social side of it as well. And I think anyone that was down Church Street at that time will probably tell you that they bumped into him, had a pint with him, had a chat with him. And, and uh, yeah, he was a big part of the dressing room. So without further ado, welcome to Switcher Player, Chris Westwood. How are you, my friend? I'm not too bad. Thank you very much. <laughs> Great to see long you, time mate. no see, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah, too long, mate. I think Always it was a way to win it. It was a charity match we played the last time we spoke, wasn't it? Or the last time we saw yeah. each other, anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. We need um, we need a, like a twelve-year reunion or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, Westy, I've got my fiftieth in, in well, in about fifteen years, it's my fiftieth. But my fifth, <laughs> my fiftieth is in three years. Our Ollie's twenty-one that year, and our Charlie's eighteen that year. Oh. So it's it's Magaluf for the Barons <laughs> and anyone else that wants to join us on that year. Oh, so, yes. Oh, and, yes. Uh, if, if anyone's coming to Magaluf, you'll, you'll be there. I'm there. <laughs> Fantastic. So, so Westy, how, how, are you, how are you doing? How are you keeping at the minute and keeping keep yourself busy? By the way, first of all, while we're talking about Magaluf, I want to let you know that this guy introduced me to Magaluf. <laughs> Young and naive before Mickey came on the scene, were you? Wow, wow. <laughs> out, of, out of, what did we go for, five days? Yeah, I think so. I seen one. <laughs> was, that, was that the year when it was Stevie? Yeah, Robert, yeah, we, Stevie. We, we all stayed over at my house the night before and just stayed up. Then we got a Magaluf, and I remember we went out all day, all night. Next day we woke up, and Westy's in the room with us. And Stevie, I would walk the fridge and <laughs> he just turned around, he opened a can of beer and Wesley was like, I think I'm on the wrong trip here. <laughs> Actually, I've never seen anything like it. So I'll get up to Mickey's at 10.30 at night because we were flying from Newcastle at six o'clock and he was like, right, we'll um, meet us at the pub. So I went to the, their local. We stayed in there till closing. Then we went back and we played a bit of cards and whatever, yeah. drinking. Then we got on the plane and I thought, maybe I'm going to have a little kip here. And I was I was like trying to shut my eyes and I kept getting on the back of my head. And in the end, I was like, like you need to pack it in now. You know what I mean? I'm like, so I managed to I managed to stay awake the whole flight. Gets there thinking, oh, I'm going to have a little bit of a kip now. Bearing in mind, this is probably the first time I've been away with the lads for like, I think I went once when I was 17. And then the next time with these lot when I was 22. <laughs> we get to there and I thought, maybe we'll have a little kit, put the stuff away, right? Put the stuff in, let's go. We're going down to Dakaru Palace. I was like, what? Like, we're going now? Yeah. <laughs> Get shorts on, it's going to be hot. I lasted, to be fair, I gave it a good go because I lasted. Yeah, you did, to be honest. The whole of that day, the whole of the night, I think I was the last man standing. But then 
the rest of the trip finished. Didn't even get involved. Like you said, I remember I had the, the quilt over my head and um, all I heard was, and I thought, oh, nice can of seven up or Sprite or, <laughs> and I looked and big Stevie was walking towards me with a can of San Miguel, I think. <laughs> and I just went, <laughs> ran to the toilet and spewed. And Bry, Bry was in the toilet, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. His name? Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, man. And these that were like, right, ready to go. Like half 10 in the morning, I was like, just leave me here, lads. I'll see you when you get back. Oh, what an introduction that was. That was the same trip where it was the same time when people started drinking vodka Red Bull. So the, we were in a bar one night and Stevie and my other mate, Robbo, he's a big lad, he, he takes some drink. So they're drinking pints of vodka Red Bull. So I'd like, I'd, I'd gone and I was like, oh, I'm going home. Went back to the same bar the next day and the guy went, hey, can I have a word about them two? When I went to the bar and I was like, hey, he went, do you know how many pints of vodka Red Bull them two had last night? I was like, well, probably about 10 or 12 at home. He went, 24. <laughs> that's why that was in one to, bar. That's why they didn't go to sleep, probably. Honestly, we, we went on that um we went on that drinking tour, didn't we? What do you call it? We go from pub to pub. Like pub crawl. Yeah, we went on that with Pugger. Is it Pugger? Yeah, Pugger, yeah. <laughs> so you've got these giant like Geordies. There's about there must have been about 20, 25, but like all seem to be like huge. And <laughs> we're walking down the strip and people are obviously trying to get you in the bars. So um, this this guy, Pugger, he got the pub, any the black, is it the black bull? Yeah, it's a black bull outside, you know, in your castle's ground. Oh, yeah. So, so Pugger, he, he, yeah, Pugger what? and his mate are like the Shearer's mates. So when Shira goes out in your castle, these lot are always around them in case there's any bother. So they probably shows you the type of lads or they are nice lads, like genuine lads, but they can look after themselves. Yeah, like took took me in under the wings. But we, I, I just remember we're walking down the strip and bearing in mind, I've been on it all day and I was thinking, probably going to go home in a bit. And anyway, the, the people that come out try and get you in the bars, they're saying, they're coming out, ah, oh, do you want to come in here? We'll give you two for one, blah, blah, blah. And I was like quite near the front. And this pugger, he was like, yeah, we're going to start at the bottom and then we're going to work our way up. <laughs> I was thinking, bloody hell. <laughs> and, and then he kept saying it, kept saying it. And then eventually he went, he went, listen, we're starting at the bottom. We'll see you on the way back up. And we, we started at whatever the bottom bar was. And we had a drink and a shot in every bar. <laughs> I kid you not that the monkey's brain one. Oh my days honestly I've never been I'm not I wasn't really like a big drinker but I've never been out with a bunch of people that it was okay. relentless he was he was our kit man for a little bit aren't he Paul when uh, was it he, he's good mates with McTate and Bakes so that sort of group so he was our kit man for about six months, and I'll never forget. Was he? Yeah, yeah, we, we played Cardiff away, so we got to Ninian Park, and he's um, lads, I've got some new warm up t shirts for you today. So, like, oh, because back then, you know what I mean? It was all like odds and sods. 
Tuesday, but you've got to wear them to run out in. So we've opened them up and they've just got England flags on the front of them. So you imagine the worst place you can run out with an England top on would be Ninian Park. So we all ran out and got absolutely battered. Oh, honestly, it was absolute carny. Talking about, I remember going to Magaluf just before then, Westy, and I went with Brian Honor and Mick Tate and Bakes and that sort of group. And I was exactly the same first day. We were there for a week. So a week in Magaluf. So first day we got there, I got put to bed. The day we got there, got up the next day. And you know what I'm like? I'm always up like seven, eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So I'm thinking, right, first day, I'm on my holidays. I'm like there for a proper holiday. So I've got me towel. I've got me beach shorts on. I've got me sun cream. And I've gone down to the bar. And the lads are like, what do you think you're doing? And I was like, what do you mean? I said, well, why have you got a towel? I was like, well, in case I go swimming. And they're like, it just looked as though I was like absolutely crazy, you know, like, well, we're going to a bar, you're not going to need a towel. So I went down and I didn't even have any money because I thought I'm not going to need any money around the pool. I'll just, so I spent the whole day like, oh, no, I'm all right. I don't want to drink. It's because I didn't have any money. But that was just the way they were. It was just a given. Who was the, who, Mick, who was the guy that, um, remember, he sat on the stool. I don't know what, what day it was because I can't remember, but he sat on the stool. And he was drinking, 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 and then he just fell off the stall. He just disappeared well, off the stall into into the into the bush. <laughs> oh, it was I can't, of potatoes, lads. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was one of the lads that was. I remember him. I don't know who it was, but I remember him. He just sat there, and the next minute he was in the bush, wasn't he? But he didn't stop drinking. He he, he like kind of <laughs> on his way down. He was just like <laughs> just fell into this bush. Honestly. That opened my eyes. It opened my he's opened my eyes a few times to be fair. That was welcome to Hartlepool, was it? Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. I have to admit, boys, he did get he did get a lot better when we went out though. Oh, I'm he, unbelievable now. Uh, now uh, I'm unbelievable. Remember the first night out we took when I took you to Newcastle? But that's what I was just gonna say. Oh man. So it were like you were staying at mine, weren't you, at the time? Yeah. And we were like, come on, we'll have a night out. It was during the week, wasn't it? It must have been like yeah. a Tuesday we had Wednesday off. So I was like, we went, go to Newcastle, just a quiet night. I went into one of the bars down the quayside. And you know when they come around with the little test tubes of drinks and all that? So it was like, yeah, we'll have one. It's like, I don't know why, it's a Tuesday night. So we ended up, and again, you were like hanging out the back of the taxi, weren't you, on the way home? Honestly... Because I remember um, there was me, you, and Denny. Yeah, Denny, Denny Ingram. Ingram. There was there was there was someone else. I can't remember who it was, but what was that? The baseball bat or something like that. That, that test tube shot. It was a dark assassin. That's what dark it was assassin. called. I never, I never forget it. <laughs> oh, right, they come round with these with these flipping test tubes, and they're going right. Everyone pick one. I'm thinking, oh, this ain't me, man. I just I just drink beer. With <laughs> So, all right, I'll have one. Got to knock it back. I'm thinking I'll just sit this, just take it easy. <laughs> Knocked it back. Wow, someone hit me around the head with a baseball bat. <laughs> and we were there, and then he says, right, we're off, getting in a taxi. And I just remember saying, hold up. I'm going to... And I just opened the door, and I was hanging out the door. I was like, man, these guys are animals. Open my eyes, mate, I tell you. Because you, you, you moved in with Mickey, is that right, when you first signed for Hartlepool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
What was that? Like? You got you spent hours because Mickey was just explaining you spent a lot of time together, not just then, but you were you were roomies as well during the. During yeah, the yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I had my house at the time, so I like they, you were waiting for a house, weren't you? Or you were waiting to get somewhere. So I was like, yeah. come come up and you can just stay with me. Like uh, I've got a couple of spare bedrooms, whatever. You can come and go, whatever. There's no like pressure. Do whatever you want. But I said, just get your own shopping. That's all I want. If you get whatever you want, eat. And then I remember she, we went shopping Schultz. with Schultz. Yeah. He come back and he had something like he had something like a pack of eggs, some crisps or something, and some ice lollies. <laughs> and I was like, Schultz, is that just for a day? And he was like, Well, that's fine. That's that's just what I'll eat. But it was it was my it was a, my it was an eye opener for me because Schultz was just a totally different type of character that I've ever seen before, wasn't he, Wesley? He was he was incredible, Schultz. So when we went to live with Mickey, we were waiting for um, we were waiting for the flat on the quayside. Me and Schultz were sharing a flat, um, but it wasn't going to be ready for a couple of weeks. So Mickey said, "Come and stay with us," and that so. Rent free, we by the way. I wasn't charging no more. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a freebie. Yeah, he looked after us, to be fair. <laughs> um, and me and Schultz went up there and and obviously stayed with Mickey. Schultz. <laughs> Another one, like, off. he was a loose cannon, wasn't he? Not a loose yeah, cannon yeah. in a bad way, but just He's like... So, so naive, so yeah. not switched on to, like, the real world. Uh, he spent obviously so much time with his his parents and in his parents' company. He just he just didn't know how to behave around people, or especially when you went out. He didn't know a pair. He didn't own a pair of jeans, did he? So we going say, out. I remember he, he used to come. He used to go. You go. We'd both go back because obviously he lived down my way. So I just get dropped off at Tamworth Services um, by him, and then he would travel back to his house. So I'd come back this way, and then. About half five in the morning on a Monday for training, I'd go meet him at Tamworth Services. He'd drive up and he always used to have like rows of um, clothes, like ironed, creased down the middle, like shirts. It was always shirt, jumper and chinos and, and like um, boat shoes. I remember like one day helping him in with his stuff and, um, and I was like, oh, like, where's your jeans? Like, you've not got any like casual jeans. I think we were going, I think we were going to um, the pub by, you know, on the on the marina. I think we were going there for a bit of something to eat. And I said to him, oh, like, have you not got any jeans? You ain't got no jeans. <laughs> I was like, what? Honestly, it I was like his shorts. dad's wardrobe, wasn't it? It was like his dad. I just said, here's some spare clothes of mine. <laughs> take them, take them with you. Yeah, unbelievable, honestly. I lived with Schultz and you know what you do? So we'd go like, so we had the fridge, which we shared, uh, but we'd have like different things that we would eat. So we'd go over to the Asda over the road um, and he would, he would like buy a bottle of like champagne. He'd buy a bottle of champagne, um, some Parma ham. And it's like, <laughs> Stinky blue cheese. <laughs> That's all the stuff I like now. Yeah, and he would <laughs> like we didn't we, in the in the flat. We, we obviously had to take everything else, so we didn't have no glasses. So the only thing we had in the flat was like a couple of pint glasses. So he he pour himself champagne in the pint glass, 
and he'd be sat there rolling this this cheese in in the Parma ham and eating the cheese and obviously sipping on his champagne, but out of the pint glass. Honestly, he, he, he I remember. Was a funny kid. I remember. And I'm not sure I ever told you this story before. Mark, we'll train at Hoffel, but round the back of Hoffel, so not where we always used to train, but round the back. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's the only person I've ever seen that during a keep ball session. So it's high intensity. People no, are in the middle of it, got a hanky and blew his nose and then put his hanky back in and carried on training. And we were all like, what is that? <laughs> I've never, ever seen that before in my life. I've never yeah. seen it since, someone carrying a hanky around training. <laughs> he would get a fresh set, like, sent up. Like, he'd have... At, at one point, like, his, his, his mum would, would make him meals. So, you know, like a, like a, a pre-made meal. You know how they do now, and they send yeah, you the meals and all you have to yeah. do. So his mum would make him these meals, and he would take up the whole of the... Freezer with these meals. He wouldn't share them, but he'd take up the whole of the thing. And the other thing he used to do was like, you know, the Chinese that's underneath on the marina. I don't know if it's still there, but there used to be a Chinese. Right. He would just like order like loads of stuff from there, like 25, 30 quid's worth of stuff. And he would he would sit there and eat it all. <laughs> or if he didn't eat it, he'd just be like, you wouldn't say, Oh, do you want any of this? He'd just like be like, can't finish and throw it away. <laughs> he used to have a thing as well, didn't he? Because obviously, with his dad being who his dad was, we used to see like just a general comes. If I'm a cup of coffee, oh, he's a great player, him. And you could see Schultz like, yeah, it like wanting to get in a conversation. I'd be like, Schultz, are you all right? You went, um, he's not a great player. He might be a good player, but he's not a great player. Well, who would you class as a great player? Well, my dad. My dad was a great player. <laughs> but then, so we, we knew it was going to happen. So every time there was a discussion about a player, it would be like, wow, he's, he's fantastic. What a great player he is. And you could see Shields just sliding over. Yeah. And he would say the same thing over and over again. He was just so, he had so many little quirks, didn't he? I remember being out down in Hartlepool and, and it was the middle of the afternoon, we were in a bar. And if you can imagine the in-between is dance to that music, but with Shields on his own, coming across the dance floor like that, and it's almost like he got unleashed into the real world yeah. without any life skills. <laughs> I've never met anyone like him. I really haven't. Brilliant. I feel like we need to get him on. Do you know what? Do you know what? He stitched me up one day because we played, I think it was Mansfield. I can't remember who we played, but they had, they had the player Eisden Christie who played <laughs> up, up front. And um, he'd arranged with Schultz to go back to go back with Schultz, who's, and, and Schultz's dad was, was going to take him back. But that game, for whatever reason, Schultz's dad thought that, like, Sam didn't have a very good game and he wanted to talk to him. So we're, we're walking to the car. I'm driving my own car back. He's going back with his dad, so I'm driving my own car back and I'm going to pick him up on the way back up. So he, he pulls me, oh, Wesley, um, you're taking Eisden back with you. And I was like, huh? I was like, why? And he went, oh, my dad, my dad likes, you don't want him in the car. He wants to talk to me. So I was like, oh, all right. I've just tried to kick lumps out of him all game. Yeah, he was a bit of a dick and all, wasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a bit weird. So I've gone, all right, no problems. Where am I dropping him off? Tamworth services. So I'm thinking, 
Bloody hell, I've got two hours. Oh, I just thought, you know what? The game's over. We'll just have a bit of crap, whatever. Literally gets in the car, puts the seat back, puts his belt on, falls asleep. So I'm driving, I'm thinking, like, this is a bit weird. So I, you know what I even done? I even turned the music down so it didn't disturb his sleep. <laughs> so we get back, we get back about, we're probably about 20 <laughs> minutes from Tamworth Services. And um, I woke him up. I was like, oh, do, you, do you need to ring someone to, to, to pick you up? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he comes up, he gets up, gets his phone, rings whoever it is, come pick me up, lies straight back down, goes back to sleep. We get to Tamworth Services. He gets out. Cheers. Can you, can you open the boot so I can get my bag? Yeah, yeah. Opens the boot, shuts the door. Gone. I was like, I said to Schultz, I was like, you're never doing that to me again. <laughs> No, he didn't even offer to give you any like petrol money or no, just, just literally just... got out and just disappeared. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, Wesley, were you not saying that when you went to get Schultz or you weren't allowed down his drive? Well, that's the reason I never went to his house, never went to his house because they had, they had this rule that you weren't really allowed to, to the house, you know what I mean. Honestly, you know, one day, right? One day, one day, we're meeting at we're meeting at half five, and he was never late. He was never late. If anything, I'd I'd be the one that'd be late. <clears throat> so I get there at half five, and my missus dropped me off, so she needs to get back to get to work. So uh, she drops me and goes, because she was like, "Oh, do you want me to wait?" And I was like, "No, nah, no." Nah. I said, "He's probably just running late a little bit." So about six o'clock, he's still not there, and I was like. It's a bit strange. He's never late. So I rang him. No answer. Rang him again. No answer. So then I rang my missus back saying, like, you might have to turn back around here because, like, he's just not answering. I don't, I, I've got no other way of getting hold of him. Next thing, this car, like, comes flying around the corner, pulls up by me. Get in, get in, because we, we were late. So I was like, oh, like, what happened? Like, you sleeping or something? But then I could smell this like, like bleachy smell. So I was like, I was like, oh, what, like, what's that? What, what can I smell? And he went, oh, when I was walking to my car, he tried in, so, he tried in some like, some kind of doo doo. I don't, know, I don't know whose doo doo it was, dog or cat or deer or wherever it was. And when he got in the car, obviously he'd gone on his carpets. So I was like, oh, so so you went back home and obviously. Cleaned your car. He went, I didn't. He went, I went back home, got my mom, and she cleaned them. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and it, they had this thing about like, oh, um, the woman, his mom, she's like, she does everything in the house. The, the lads don't, the lads just basically, because he, when he used to take his stuff home, like I have a thing of, even when I come in from a night out or whatever, I always fold my clothes. Yeah, yeah. I just do, <laughs> and and he, he like I remember looking in his bedroom one day, and he's like, and it's just like a mountain of clothes in the corner. So I was like, what's going on there? Do you want do you want to put them in? So we had our own washing washing machine. Do you want to put them in the washer? 
no, nah, no, nah, I'll just take them home. Mom does all that. And then and then she obviously cleans them, irons them, and puts them back on the hangers, and he just takes them back into the... Honestly, it, it was... Do you know what? Just just to finish up on Shields, this this story sums them up. I remember playing at South End away, and I it, we'd travel down on the Friday, and I, we were training. And I'd hurt my back, you know, when you get off the bus and you train, and I'd hurt my back, so I didn't play on the Saturday. So I was sat on the bench, and it was the same day as a Grand National, and um, I think Chris Turner was a manager, and Chris had had a go at everyone at half time. We'd had a bit of a pot with Shields saying, "Look, you need to get your finger out. It's not good enough. You've got ten minutes, or you're coming off." So anyway, 10 minutes passes, Schiltz is still no better. So, right, Schiltz is coming off, holds a number up. And Schiltz has got like, you know, normally people are pissed off, aren't they? Like, look upset and I'm going to throw a water bottle. He comes walking off with a little smile on his face. I'm thinking, what is wrong with this man? And as he's walking past Chris Turner on the touchline, bear in mind, he's the manager of football club. He turns around the rest of the bench and went, what, won the national? And Chris just turned around and looked at him. We were all like, I'm not answering now. He was like, oh, well, lads, I've got a couple of bets on what won the national. And we were just like, just Sam, just sit down and shut up. But it, it, honestly, what what strange character he was. He was a nice, he was a nice lad. He was, he was like, he was easy to live with. He's a bit, didn't really like, obviously, being at home with his mom, he obviously didn't have to do anything. So I had to do all the cleaning. But I didn't mind, to be fair. Yeah. To be honest, I, I I grew up with a lad, Andy Todd, whose dad's Colin Todd. So he went to my school and, and Toddy, Toddy's dad played for England. And, and and their family was similar in a way. A lot of quirky things that you would think, like, it's a bit odd. But I don't know whether it was, like, professional footballers of that era, or the, like, what they expected. I don't know, but they were very, very similar in, in characters. But... <laughs> we, probably, we probably shouldn't have thought about Schultz for 20 minutes I'll tell you what we've got to get him on that's it we've got to get him on <laughs> <laughs> so so Chris just let's let's go back in time and, and, and the way your sort of football career started how, how did you get into football first were you in Wolves quite early or how did that come about no, no. so I started playing when I was 12 which I know is probably quite late now I was 12 I played for an under 14 side. So I'd obviously played in the street with my mates and whatever. But my first, my first actual team game was was when I was 12, um, and then I was just playing Sunday football until I was 15, and then I got spotted by Torquay. So there, there. Torquay have loads of scouts in Dudley, like. Well, actually, they did, you know, because listen to this, listen to this first story. So three of us from my team have gone, we've gone down, we've got invited down to Torquay for a week, you know, in the school holidays. And um, we're in the hotel and like, all of a sudden I see a shadow by the door. Big Darren Moore. Big shadow. Huge, like, <laughs> and I remember that. I always remember that the, the um, scout's name. His name was John James, and apparently he used to scout from the Midlands. And obviously he took him down. And he's going to me. He's going, "This is what we want you to be." This is, and I'm looking up at him like, <laughs> <laughs> "This geezer's massive." And he's like, he's like, "All right, lads." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "So that was that was my first, and then and then." I went to Albion for one training session and they had about 
40 kids training and the guy kept getting my name wrong. He was calling me everything apart from my name. And I was like, and I just got back in the car with um, my dad's friend and I was like, I ain't going back there. And then I was just playing Sunday football. Then I got spotted by Wolves. Right. Um, and I was actually playing left midfield. So on the day, one of the lads didn't turn up or whatever. So they said to me, oh, will you fill in? So I was like, yeah, okay. So played left midfield, end up scoring two goals. Um, scored one from, you know, the, the inside of the D. So the keeper's kicked it out, um, but he's on the edge of his box. So he's kicked it out and it's bounced. I've, I've kneed it up and smashed it straight back over his head. Obviously went in. Then the next one, centre-half's gone through. I've shouldered him out of the way and, and slotted. So then this guy's said, um, my parents weren't there. So he's like, oh, like, who's, who's with him? I said, right, here's my number. Do you want to come to a trial? So I was like, okay. So then I got, I got my mum to phone obviously the scout. And then he said, we've got, um, we've got a game against Burton Albion, a friendly game. Do you want to play in it? So I was like, yeah. <clears throat> scout come and pick me up, took me to the game, <clears throat> gets in the dressing room and he's gone. Um, obviously I've never met anyone. The coach has gone to me. Oh, I'm such and such. Um, you're a left midfielder. I was like, nah, I said, I said, <laughs> I played left midfield that game, but I prefer to play center back. But the, um, in the same game, the centre-back um, also got scouted and he didn't turn up. Not our centre-back, the opposition centre-back. He got scouted and he didn't turn up for the trial. So he said to me, he said, oh, OK, play centre-back then. And that was it. Just went from there, played played that game. <laughs> Listen to this. This would never happen now. So the chief scout, the chief scout is watching the game. He's called Ron Dukes. Obviously, for Wolves, he's massive. He's watching the game and, and he's dropping me home. So on the way back, he's gone, uh, are you hungry? I was like, yeah, a little bit. He's gone, you want John McDonald's? I was like, yeah, why not? You know what I mean? So he gets me this McDonald's. We drive him back. He gets outside my house and he's gone, um, he's gone, you're doing well tonight. Like what we've seen. Um, but he knew that Torquay were interested. He knew that they were like sort of. So he's gone. Um, I've heard that you're. I've heard that you might be going to Torquay, and I was like, well, like obviously I don't know. I don't want to because it's so far away. But so he's gone. Um, so what are you gonna do? And he, I kid you not, right? He says, take your belt off. <laughs> Took my belt off, and he got my arm. I mean, put he put my arm up my back, like you know how the police would arrest you. He got my arm up my back and he's gone, what are you going to do if they get you like this? And they say, right, sign, sign the, sign the um, scholarship. Because they'd offered me a scholarship. So I was like, I was like, uh, like, it's, I thinking, yeah, obviously you couldn't get away with that now, but I was like, wow. So I said, oh, I, I, I wouldn't sign, I wouldn't sign. He said, right, what we're going to do is we're going to give you a six-week trial with our under-16. So I was like, okay. So I went to the trial and then um, they were like, Torquay were on my case now saying, right, we want to give you a scholarship, but we need you to sign, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know if there was just talks between whoever. Um, and then I said to Wolves, I said, I've been offered this by Torquay. I don't really want to go down there. Like, when am I going to find out about this? 
and they were like, oh, you have to take the chance. Like, we can't give anyone any promises, whatever. So I just said, okay, I'll take the chance. So I turned down the talk thing. And luckily enough, obviously it worked out for me at Wolves. So I ended up getting a YTS back then, hey, Mick? Yeah, yeah, proper, it's, proper apprentice. It's, it's YTS back then. So who, who, when you signed for Wolves, when you went in at 16, who else was in that sort of group with you that we might have heard of or we might know? So my year was Gavin Mann, who All right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. played for QPR and Watford. Um, Carl Robinson. Yeah. He, yeah. He, I think he's a I think he's a coach now somewhere in I know he went to America and Australia. Um, was he the left back? No, he was a centre midfielder, Welsh lad. Oh right, you're okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, story about him. Not happy. But at Wolves, <laughs> at Wolves, me and him were me and him were like best friends. I even got into flipping into oh, in a fight with someone over him. Well, anyway, when he went to Sunderland, we were training at um, you know that place we used to train in Sunderland when it was um, oh, yeah, a the, gym. Yeah, yeah. Gym, when it was um, snowing and all that. We were at that gym and we were coming out and um, I can't remember who I was with. I was with four or five of, of the lads and um, he's walking towards us and I always remember he got his hat on backwards. I hadn't seen him like for a long time. He got his hat on backwards and he always used to have one trouser leg up. So I seen him walking towards us and he had his um, his clutch bag under his arm. So I was a bit like, ah, oh, it's Robbo. Like, and he walked up and he and he's blatantly looked me in the eyes and just kind of gone, you're right, lads. And like walked past me and I was like, <laughs> oh. I was like, ah, oh, like that is it now? And he went, he, he like he, he kind of like looked back and didn't say anything, he just carried a walk and I was like, <laughs> What the hell? Wow. And then another one of another one of my friends who, who obviously knows him. I said to him, I was like, I seen him like, and he completely blanked me. And he tried to he tried to make out that he didn't see me not having him. You see me because you look me in the eye. <laughs> I spoke to him since. Have you never seen him since? No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> <I won't. laughs> Oh, I weren't happy. I weren't happy to be fair. But it was that it was that Wolves, of course, where you, you obviously first worked under Chris Turner as well, which obviously then led to to what happened. No, what? I never worked under Chris. Oh, did you not? All right, Chris was. I was um, bad. Bad research. That I, I always thought that was the case. I honestly did. Nah, yeah, nah. So sorted out to be fair, but I was I was a pro. I was a pro, and Chris was the youth team manager. Right. I okay. He was youth team manager of um, Robbie Keane and. Right, I see. Oli and Lescott, I think he was that age. Um, so, I, obviously, I knew I knew him, but I didn't really have that much to do with him. Right, I see. Um, at Wolves, so it's a bit out of the blue when when he called me, to be honest. So, one of the things that when when people talk about the time you joined Harlepool, because um, I, I, you know, some Harlepool fans I've talked to, I said, what questions would you have for Chris Westwood? And, and one of them said, you know, like. What was his? How did Chris Turner sell the the dream of Hartlepool? Because you were coming into a squad that were, I think, bottom of the league. There was there was quite a lot of players, the likes of Paul Baker, Strada, Beardsley, McKinnon, all at the wrong side of thirty, if you like. So it was quite an aging squad as well. And what what did Chris say to sort of sell you the Hartlepool United dream? To be honest, he, he didn't really have to sell it to me because I was out of football. Right. 
when I left Wolves, um, I had a stress fracture in the middle of my shin. Um, and towards the end of towards the end of my last year at Wolves, I ended up playing. I ended up obviously being in the team. And I made my league debut at Sunderland away. Brilliant. And I always remember this because I came on for Robbie Keane and we were, we were one each when I came on. And obviously just wanting to hold on to the one each. I came on and Kevin... They come, Mo- on, they come on left wing. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had it done. <laughs> came on, right? And um, Kevin Ball's got the... got. Is his name Kevin Ball? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's got the ball on the edge of the box and I've gone to close him down and he's shot and it's deflected off me. And it was like slow motion. My first touch of the ball and it's like, I just watched it like slow motion. It's going towards the goal. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it went wide for a corner. That was my, my first touch of the ball and I was like, I was just like so relieved. We ended up getting a one all, But um, yeah, so I played, I, I was playing towards the end of that season and uh, the manager Mark McGee we ended up we ended up in the shower like together just me and him and um, he said to me he said um, I know he said um, like I know your contract's coming to an end Um, in a few weeks we'll have you in and we'll talk about another deal so I was like oh brilliant do you know what I mean off over the moon um and then obviously played out the season. And then when it comes to the end of the season, um, called me in. So I'm just expecting to go in and discuss another deal. Um, when I got in there, I remember Colin Lee was sat like behind. McGee was sat at, at his desk. And he's like, I just seen him go. <clears throat> and then he's gone, um, oh, you've, you've done well for us um, when you played. Give me all this spiel. We're letting you go. I was like, what? And he was like, yeah. He said, it's not just you. He said, we're under pressure to get rid of get rid of wages. <laughs> I was thinking, <laughs> they're my wages. <laughs> yeah, you pay some of the lads more to clean boots. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so he said, it's not just you. And he named a few of the other players. And I was like one of the first ones in. So I was like, I came out like, and I was thinking... Like, what am I going to do now? Because the other thing was, I had this stretch tra- stress fracture in, in my shin and the club said, wait until the end of the season and, and we'll sort it out. So I played, like, with this pain. Like, I, what I was doing, I was, I was playing um, on the Saturday or even just, like, going with the squad and and then I'd have to miss a couple of days and then joining sort of towards the... So I was playing with this. And then when they said they're letting, you, letting me go, I was like... Like, what do I do now? So then it turned out I needed an operation. But now I'm in no man's land. So yeah. I said, I said, Wolves said they were going to sort it out. Then they're saying, oh, you're no longer our player. So then I was like, right, I'm going to the PFA. And I rang the PFA and just explained to them. And then they said, um, right, we'll talk to Wolves. And then the Wolves, like secretary or whatever, rang me up and said, right, we've booked your operation at such and such. But it meant I was going to be out for like, because the more it dragged on, it was obviously dragging on into the start of the season. So it meant I was going to be out. So I had the operation, I was out of football, and then obviously it was about seven or eight weeks before the end of the season. So I'd not done anything. I was I'd not done anything. I was just working in my mate's sports shop. 
Um, and then I get a phone call from Telford, Telford United, who were in, they were in the conference at the time. Um, I think the guy was called Alan Lewin, the manager. So he rings me up. Um, we've heard that you're getting fit again. Like, do you want to come training with us? So I was like, oh, I was just buzzing to get back in somewhere. So <laughs> the day I went, the day I was supposed to go training, right? Um, I'm working in my mate's sports shop and there's there's these three girls like over the road. So I've I, I gone, I popped out to go and get, um to go and get a paper and some milk. And, uh, oh, you're going to say get a number? No, no, no. So these three girls are <laughs> over the road and they, and they all stopped like, and they're all looking at me. I was a bit like, I was a bit like, you know what I mean? I was a bit like, uh, <laughs> across the road, went into the shop and um, they come, they like came by the shop door and was like looking in. And I just thought, oh, they're looking at me like, cause they like me or whatever. So then they gone and then I came out, went back to the shop, thought nothing of it. And then about one o'clock in the afternoon, this, this old lady like walks through the door. So as she's walked through the door, I've gone, ah, oh, um, you all right? Can I help you? And then two coppers have come in behind her. And she's gone. She's gone. That's him. And I've gone. I was like, <laughs> she went, yeah, that's him. And I was like, that's him what? And the cop went, um, right, um, we're arresting you, um, suspected burglary, blah, blah, blah. I was like, what? And he went, yeah, um, are you going to make this easy for yourself or we've got a coffee? And I was like, hold on, I want to, I want to know what I've done. We'll take you down the station where the shop was. So the station was like, literally like a one minute drive. And at the time it was like, you know, when Beatles, Beatles about. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was that, that was, that was on at that time. So I'm thinking like, this is some kind of wind up. So I'm in the car. They take, they take, they drive me down the road, takes me to the desk. And, um, then these two coppers said, said to this woman copper, they said, ah, um, can you just watch him for a sec? Um, we need to do something. So I'm standing there and she's gone, um, you're not going to run here. And I was like, no, why would I run? And she went, cause I know how quick you are. <laughs> so I was like, and she went, um, I was like, is this, is this some kind of joke? She was like, no, no, you'll be fine. So they've checked me in, like put me in a cell. And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on here? And then it was like the door, you know, the little hatch kept opening and people like looking in, you're right. I'm like, yeah. And then this this other like woman copper, she came up and she went, um, are, you, are you Emma's boyfriend? And I was like, now I'm thinking, come on. I was like, yeah, and the joke's over. So Beatles about whatever it is, <laughs> like the joke's over. I've got it. Like, <laughs> by the way, I need I need to be out of here because I'm I've got football training. You know what I mean? That that day was my first training session. So I was like, so she's gone. No, no, you'll be all right. You'll you'll be processed like pretty. And I was like. Seriously, is this a wind-up? She went, no, no, no. And she shook the thing. So then two coppers come again, take me out of there, take me to Stourbridge, which is about another 15 minutes away, take me to CID. So I was like, 
what is going on here? I get, I kid you not, right? Get to, you know where they, know where they drive in? And there's like gates behind you. And then they take you into custody. So I get to there and there's about four or five coppers waiting like outside. And as I'm going through, I'm shaking hands. <laughs> They're going to me. You're right, how are you doing? Oh, like, and I'm like, I said, I said, come on, someone tell me now, is this a wind up? Because like the joke's over, it's not funny anymore. And they were like, nah, nah, nah. Like, we've, we've watched you play like with season ticket holders. And I'm like, what is going on here? So I've gone in and then I get interviewed by two CID. It turns out that these three girls, one of them had said that I'd broke into her house the day before. She said, she said, apparently the, the person that the person that obviously done it went through the window and she caught them. She caught them as she came down the stairs. She's seen them getting through the window and she said it was me. And I was like, oh, it wasn't me. And where I grew up, where I grew up was like a bit of a rough estate. Do you know what I mean? And, and there is like, there is wrong ones on there. So I'll get the cop out saying to me, oh, do you know such and such? Do you know such? I said, yeah, I do. Well, they, they do this and that. And I was like, well, that's them. I said, look, listen, I've been like brought up, not dragged up. Do you know what I mean? And I'm still thinking it's a joke. So in the meantime, obviously I didn't know this. They'd gone to they'd gone to my house, gone to my mom's house, because the girl said I had different clothing on in the morning. They'd gone back to the shop, they've searched the shop, they've searched my mom's house, obviously found nothing. Then they have to let me go. So then they've gone, right, you're free to leave. And I was like, well, how do I get back to my car? Where's my car keys? Like, where's my wallet? They were like, well, it's down to you, you have to get back. So then an off-duty copper comes up to me, just finished, and he's gone, come on, I'll drop you. So I get in the car with him, and I was like, like, what was that about? And he said, um, he said, uh, he said, the girl is adamant that it's you. And I was like, but you can't, surely you can't just say that. So, and, he, and then he's gone, he's gone, um, by the way, I, I, I don't think Wolf should have let you go. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> so now I rush, I rush back to my car, and I'm going training. So I had to ring the manager and say, like, listen, this is what's happened. I'm going to be five, 10 minutes late. So when it gets there, they've got, they're out, they're out doing the warm. So I join the warm up. Then they've gone, right, get circle. Then we have the keep ball in the middle. Get in the middle. Um, tell the lads your story. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no way. So then the lads are all like, oh, put your wallets away, watch your phones and all that. And <laughs> so I went and I, I, I had a training session with them and then I played I played half a game or 70 minutes against um, Kidding Mr. Harriers. And I, I done all right. And the manager was saying, listen, we're coming up to the end of the season. Keep training with us and, and we'll, we'll have a look at you for next season. So I was like, I was happy with that because I just thought, chance to get back in. Then two days later, Chris rings me. I was like... Oh, like, obviously I hadn't spoke to him. He'd arranged, he'd told that Alan Lewin about me being out of football. So he kind of got me the trial. Alan Lewin had obviously said to him, I've done all right in the game. And then he's like, nicked me back and said to me, come up to, come up to Hartlepool. We'll give you a contract for seven weeks. And obviously the rest is down to you. So I was like, I just jumped at the chance because... I had nothing to lose. But one thing that did shock me was like 
when I did come up, I, I, I think I'm like quite naturally fit. You know what I mean? In terms of like running and whatever. When I came up and seen like the sharpness of someone that is actually match fit and I played that game against Torquay and I was like, I was thinking to myself, oh, yeah, you bit off more than you can chew here. Do you know what I mean? Because it was it was like an eye opener. Eh, Avian was striker. Was, that was the day he scored the hat trick, yeah. Yeah. And did you I play? Was, did you play that game in midfield, Wesho? Did you play at the back? Because we had someone. Nah, nah. nah, I played mid. I played centre half my first game, and right. then and then the next few games I played centre mid. Ah, right. Because someone was asking, played, someone was asking on Twitter about mentioning that you yeah. played centre half for a few games. We played. I think we played Carlisle. I played centre mid. We played Northampton. So I remember getting in a bit of a thingy with Stevie. And I remember nailing him. Because my thoughts after after the first game, I thought, like, oh, I'm a million miles off here. And to be playing at the back, like, I was thinking, you can't. And then Chris obviously put me in midfield and just said to me, just go in there and, like, mash things up. So I've always, I've always, like, I've always thought, from a fan's point of view, especially at like the, the lower levels, obviously when you go up higher, the, you need more than that. But I've always thought if you work hard and if you like get stuck in, the fans will the fans will naturally accept you. It's when like you give in. Do you know what I mean? So in my mind, after that first game, I thought, you know what I've got to do? I've just got to go and get stuck in, stick my head in, stick my foot in, run around and see where I'll go. And obviously I got a little bit fitter and it worked out all right. Yeah. I remember, I mean, as I said before, we spent a lot of time together, like sitting, talking and we used to have, we used to have, so I used to look forward to Friday night. So I was like, get away from like the kids, have a good night's sleep. But we used to just chat all night. And I remember having a conversation about when Wesley first arrived at, at Hartlepool and he came and sat right next to me. And I was like, not a problem, you know what I mean? Like, you sit where you want. But he sat, like, right next to us, and then afterwards we were talking about it, and he said, well, I had a quick look around the dressing room, and I thought, if anyone's going to be a racist, it's him with a skinhead, so I'll sit next to him. And you know what? So I was like, well, that's a nice way to start a friendship, isn't it? Do you know what? I've always, I've always, like, I've always done this. I, I, like, when I went into, when I went in, in my, in my mind, I'm thinking, obviously, it's the really the first time I've walked into a new dressing room to be like a fixture. I went in and I thought, I'm going to pick someone who I think is like, like pretty intimidating and, and may not like me. <laughs> yes. And may not like me. Do you know what I mean? And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make him feel uncomfortable. I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to force, I'm going to force him to talk to me. And I remember walking around and looking around and I seen him and I thought, he'll do. <laughs> I mean, so I sat there and like, obviously I didn't know anyone at the time, um, and it turned out to be a, a beautiful friendship. But I remember, oh, oh, I remember the first training session. Oh, what was your first? I had no kit. I had no, and like you just said before, Mick, about everything was just odds and sods. Obviously, Chris was trying to turn things around. And, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I've obviously come from Wolves, even though I'd not played for eight months or whatever it was. I've come from Wolves where someone just hands you your kit and then you just hand it back. And so I've gone and I've gone, oh, like, lads, any, any kit anywhere? I was getting like a sock from there, a sock from there. 
yeah, have these shorts. And all I had on, I remember it was cold. <laughs> I remember it was blowing a gale at Peterlee. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember just having a T-shirt on, these shorts, odd socks, and obviously my boots. And I'm, I'm running out thinking, bloody hell, some of the lads have got, like, their jumpers on or whatever. And I always remember, because he was one of my, he was one of my heroes, being a Liverpool supporter, Pedro. I remember like we were training and I was just like, I was just like watching him train and blah, blah. And then um, I was dithering. I was like, like, and I remember him saying, oh, do you want one of these tops? And I was like, (laughs) I was like, yeah, if you don't mind. And he just peeled on one, peeled off one of his four tops that he had on. (laughs) I was like, yeah, you like, no wonder you've got a dab on, got two, two raincoats on, two jumpers. There's me freezing, but I always remember like going back and, and telling my mates like, oh, he gave me a jumper to wear. I could not believe it. Do you know what I mean? Unbelievable. Do you know what? There's only been similar to US. There's only been two times when um I've been like that. The first time was when I was at Middlesbrough when Brian Robson walked through the door, and because I was Chessie Street lad, he was England. When I was growing up, he was the person, and the other one was Beardsley, because around where I live. He's just loved. My brother-in-law idolises him. And Pedro used to pick me up. So my brother-in-law, who was a fully grown man at the time with a job, would come and wait outside my house just to see Peter pick me up from the house. You know what I mean? So I, they were the two, the two people where I honestly think when I've met them, it's like, not sure what I'm going to see like that first time you met. But Peter was, Peter was great with the majority yeah, of people. He was fantastic. I remember, I remember playing alongside him played um we were south end away and it was then like because obviously watching you think he was he was too good for the level winning and i remember him i remember him getting a ball from like the left back and i remember him just turning and spraying the ball but like he sort of sprayed it like diagonal and i think it was I don't know if it was Jonah or there was someone that didn't carry on running, that just stopped running. It made it look like a like a poor pass. Yeah. But it was like, and then and then he, he called me short for a corner. So I've like I've looked up and he's called me and he's played it, but I didn't think he was going to play it. So I've gone to go, stopped, and he sort of played it, and then they think and he said to me, he said. You just make the move and I'll do the rest. And I was like, like fair enough. But I seen like playing alongside him, I seen that that difference in in quality. Wesley, I played in a charity match with him. Not summer, summer gone. It's been him over for Mark Solon, who was like does a lot of charity work in the area. So it was like uh, <coughs> ex players against uh, ex Spennymoor players. So they had like yeah. two teams. This and the other. We had like twelve players. Uh, Tommy Butts played John Oster played I played Bratter played so pretty relaxed you know what I mean and first half we're kicking down the slope at Spennymoor we're winning 3-0 at half time Peter's coming like he's supposed to be playing number 10 he's dropping in to get the ball off the centre halves and he's spraying the ball and then second half we had a couple of lads who had paid a little bit of money to come on so obviously we're getting a little bit tired we're kicking up the hill and Peter comes back and he went there don't pass to them too and I was like, what do you mean? He was like, they're useless. If you pass the ball to them, we'll lose this game. So he was going around all the players 
And these two poor lads had paid to play, but he was like, do not pass to them two. And he wouldn't pass to them. And anytime someone passed them, you could see he was like, well, we're going to lose this and we end up losing. And it wasn't, it was just because we, we were shattered. But he, he just had, like, even then, he must be what, mid 50s towards, and he wanted to win. He wanted yeah, to win a challenge. It is definitely, yeah. I think I think that's what we had. We had that article. I was going to say that that's what you mentioned about the kit and, and things like that. That's what Chris Turner and when Iowa came in and, and everything that turned it around, didn't it? Very quick. I mean, I started the club in the start of 2002 and it became evident to me that the club was professional, but also the spirit that was built in the squad. It's something we've talked about in this podcast a lot because it was just the team spirit you all had was something that, it's quite rare, isn't it? I imagine in football, I have that such a strong bond. Yeah, we. Um, I, I remember being on the first away trip. I think it was Torquay away, and um, coming back on the bus, and the lads are getting steaming. The lads are uh, on the beers, and you got people smoking at the back, and I was like, like, what is this? What's going on? And and Chris like quickly turned it around. Yeah, he did. He made it, he made it more professional, which obviously worked in the end and it made it an attractive football club to come to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah, when, when, you, when you talk about the, the um, sort of the, the squad that we have and the togetherness that we have and we still have, it's so comfortable because you would do daft things and I was just going to mention this when you mentioned being in the middle of a circle before, Wesley. I remember being in Holland and I think you were um, lost a FIFA game or something. So, and, it, and, and when you look back, you think, why the hell did he do this? You know what I mean? So I remember the whole squad standing around on the training ground and we were like, right, Wes, you have to sing a song. And he could have been that. Nah, piss off, I ain't doing that. But they had the whole squad. And one of the lads were like, I'll say, boys to men, I'll, I'll make love to you. Yeah. So <laughs> in, in, instead of just standing and singing it, he's going round the squad and he's like going up to people. And, and it, it just, it's comfortable, you know what I mean? And, and like, no... No one was like, no, was he? You know what I mean? And I think it's because you have that togetherness and that bond that everyone was so comfortable with each other. We we used to just go and take over places, didn't we? Yeah. If we ever went out together, like, I know this has been said before, but people used to want to join us. We used to create such an atmosphere that others would just be like, I remember, I remember going down to um, the Dakri Palace and there'd be like big groups of lads big, big groups of lads and and we would always sort of worm our way into sort of centre stage, didn't we? We'd always have the chairs right by the, the thingy bar and um, and, we, and then we'd start the, start the songs and there'd be the games and you, you'd just see people like looking from other other teams or other big groups looking to join with us and it was, we just created such an atmosphere, no matter where we went, even Absolutely. like go to the PFA dudes we go down on the Saturday or on the Sunday and we'd, we'd create an atmosphere. Anywhere we went, went to Holland, Holland, and obviously it was all a bit like calm and collected. Everyone was outside sipping their coffees and that lot. And then you'd just hear a big noise from the group drinking the beers. Do you know what I mean? But it was never like, it was never like, oh, anyone going out for trouble. It was just, we all stuck together and it was just hell of an atmosphere. I remember a couple of years ago when I was a child and we went, uh, and it, it just carries on from the story, we went down to play Basford 
Is it Basford United yeah. and a pre-season oh, yeah. game? We stayed over. That's Gandhi's uh, thing, isn't it? Well, their the, was their manager at the time was the guy Martin Carruthers, and his nickname's Gandhi, and he played for Darlington, and and we used to see him in Magaluf, and um, he used to he, he would never be in a big group with he Gandhi. He was have one or two with him, so he would always, always come over with us. And one day he'd come down the Real Madrid top, and I think it was Tings got his top. And he was trying it on. He set it on fire. Right, so Gandhi was gutted because it was his pride and joy. This real, so it, it must have been ten years later, maybe even longer than that. I've walked into the ground. Of, of, is it Beersford? I don't know. You say Basford, Beersford, yeah, Basford, yeah. And um, I didn't even know he was a manager. So I've walked along with the other people from Shildon, and he's just stopped in his tracks, and he's like, "Nah, nah, nah, you hearty poor boys, nah, 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 you ain't coming in here." <laughs> And even afterwards, we sat in a bar having a couple of a couple of beers, and he was like, "You have never seen a squad like this one." It, to his to the chairman of the club and like his other coach, he was like, "This squad that this lad was in is the best squad you have ever seen in your life." And he and he, he, you know what I mean? Like Westy said, people just enjoyed being around us and enjoyed. I think how comfortable we were with each other. It was it was mad because when I left, so no matter what club I went to, I always found out when. The lads were going to be in in Magaluf because I remember we um, we got promotion at Peterborough and uh, these lads had already booked up to go and and they wanted to go the week after or a few days after so it meant me missing these lot so I was like right leave me off that trip like I'm going with these so I went I, I flew out I think I flew out early and I had the first two days with like the lads and then I had the next two or three days with the Peterborough lads. I just said to them, oh, I can't be there until such a time, do you know what I mean? I remember oh, we when we you know when we won the league with Warsaw, we'd that the club had paid for us to go to um well go somewhere on holiday and um, gave us a budget. You know how many people wanted to go? Bear in mind we just won the league. Six people. Six people that were all they were they were paying for it all. Everything was paid for. So we went to Ayanapa and and I got back, so I got back on the Thursday and these lads went out to Magaluf on the Saturday. So I was a bit like, oh, I can't really go because I've only just come back and blah, blah. But I'd already looked at like flights and everything. I'd already thought, <laughs> so I looked at these flights and, and like I was on my computer and I, and I just dropped in. I was like, oh, got in, man. Like the lads are all in, the lads are all in Magaluf now. I think it was a Friday. Lads are all in Magaluf now. And my, my, my missus at the time, like she was like, "Well, if you want to go, you can go. Like, it's up to you. Like, I know, I know how much the lads mean to you that lot." And I was like, "You sure?" And running out like, the door, <laughs> I did. To be fair, I did feel a bit bad because I'd already rang my mate. So I said, "Right, this flight leaves at four thirty or something like that, six thirty in the morning." I said, "I might need you, man. I might need you to drop me off." So as soon as she said, "Like," Like, I don't mind, you just go. Do you know what I mean? You may never get the chance again. <laughs> In my mind, I already had my suitcase packs on. You know, <laughs> say, packed it. I didn't, even, I didn't even say goodbye to the kids. <laughs> like, because my mate come and pick me up. But, like, he picked me up. I think I had to be at the airport for, like, 4.30 in the morning. So he came and picked me up, dropped off. But I didn't tell anyone. I'd only told Trigger because I needed to, obviously, take leave my case somewhere. So um, lads are all down at the Dacre Palace. And I've just turned up with my suitcase. Lads are all like, Way! honestly, I, I remember sat, I, I was sat in, I think I was sat next to Sweens 
And I seen him come walk in and I would turn to him and said, doesn't that lad look like Wesley? Because we'd, we'd, you know I mean? we'd had like a few beers by then. So he was like, God, oh, he does that. And all of a sudden, it dawned on us that it was him. You've never heard a cheer like it. Obviously, the cheer that went up, because obviously he made the effort to come and would delight to see him. But it was, it was just brilliant. Absolutely <laughs> I going, brilliant. I remember going behind the bar, taking, taking my jeans off and my top off, putting, putting some shorts on, leaving my case behind the bar <laughs> until we went home. <laughs> Do you know what, though? All the times we ever went out, and I know we spoke about this with most people that come on, all the times that we ever went out, there was never any bother. There was never, even when we were singing and, and being loud, if someone came over and, lads, can you just tone it down? Would Yeah, no bother, that's fine. It was fine. always respectful, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And I, and I think because of the people we had, if someone was a little bit leery or someone um, stepped out of line, they would get, right, come on, come sit down, have a little... Do you know what I mean? And, and I think that that helped us, didn't it? Apart from Beaver when he got arrested. Paul Stevenson, man, when he got arrested when he was crawling across the... Um, yeah. Crawling. It was... It was uh, what was that show at the time where they used to crawl across... It was the Don Jolly thing, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Huh? No, it was before that. It was... Um, oh, what was it called, man? So anyway, the, the guy at the time used to crawl across the, you know, the pedestrian crossing. Right. So he had a big go. snail shell. Oh, he'd, go really, he'd go really, really slow, so there'll be loads of people waiting at the cars. So for some reason, Beaver thought, oh, this will be hilarious if I do it. So obviously, the horse, it was funny, but there was people waiting, and he's going really slowly across this <laughs> pedestrian's cousin. The police just come and lifted them, literally lifted them up off the road and put them in the back of the car. <laughs> they lifted, took him away, and he was just like, as he was going, like looking at the window. <laughs> <laughs> but the police station the police station was right next to our hotel didn't know this at the time we were staying in I think it was like Guadalajara or something like Guadalupe that Guadalupe or something like that weren't you? yeah was right next door so I don't know if I was with you were you there when, when we went we pressed the lift and he was in the lift with the two coppers no and I wasn't <laughs> so we pressed the lift and he and, he, and as the lift as the doors open he was in there with the two coppers they took him to his to his hotel room and took his passport and took him back to took him back to the um obviously the police station and said you gotta pay a fine or you're not getting your passport back. Yeah, we thought he was getting arrested because he had the reddest eyes in Magaluf, but <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But he what, was that, a funny what that did that 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 sort of we've said it before, but it galvanized on the pitch as well, didn't it? Because those years 2002, 3, 4, 5 were just Amazing for football, really. Just overachievement on the pitch as well. Yeah, I, I had a bit. I got a bit of stick for this. Um, I think I said it on on one of our group chats about we weren't we weren't like there was no one that like stood out. Obviously, Boydie Boydie stood out, um, but there was no one that really like was like massive. We, we all we all were just like not workmen like because obviously there was some um, lads with skills and. But what we had, the our attitude and our will to win, it got us. It got us points before we even started the game. Like we, like we used to go into. I know, I know this has been said before, but we used to go out on a Tuesday, and on the Saturday it was just a guaranteed win. We'd all say we'd all just go if we go out on a Tuesday, like we're going to win on Saturday, and it just kept coming true. But like I always, I always think this: the harder you work, the luckier you get. Do you know what I mean? That's always that's always been in my mind. The harder you work, the luckier you get. 
I think when you look back as well, the Wesley, we used to train hard as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. We our training sessions were high tempo, they were intense. That you had sort of 18, 20 people that were desperate to win, whether it was a game of head tennis, a game of table tennis, whatever it was, you had a group that was competitive. And and I think if your training's like that, you take it into games and and whatever manager's there, the, the, the formation, whatever you play, you've got that basis for even when the chips are down you know that person next to you wants to win and wants to win badly. And I think that's what we had with that group was that real mentality of people who wanted to win. Do you know, like with me, I've, I've like gone through my whole career like that. Every, every day, I used to train every day like it was my last day. And if I didn't have a, if, if, I, if for some reason, like I had a little niggle or I couldn't train, I used to like, I used to, I used to think, oh, like, this is going to affect me. And I remember every club I went to after Arleyport, I used to say to any young lads that, that were coming through, listen, just train every day like it's your last day. You've got, you're only training for two hours. Train for two hours, get your head down, and then you've got the rest of the day to chill. Do you know what I mean? And the big eye-opener for me was when I left Arleyport, um, when I went to Warsaw. So we were, we, we were doing pre-season, first day of pre-season, and I thought... All right, first day of preseason, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a teaser to, because preseasons at, at um, Artlepool was solid. Do you know what I mean? So that was what I was used to. I was used to just solid preseasons. Goes to Warsaw, first day, not really, not really anything. And I remember coming back and like going for a little run myself. I thought like. I really feel like I'm... and then so the next day so we've gone in on a Monday that was I thought alright given that on the Tuesday normally you train morning afternoon so we trained in the morning and again it wasn't like nothing neck breaking it was we've done that and we've done a few bodies and a few sit ups and then it's like right see you Thursday and I was like <laughs> see, see you Thursday and, it, and they went, yeah, 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 um, Wednesday off, see you Thursday. And I was like, pre-season? <laughs> Wednesday off. <laughs> Honestly, and I remember on the Wednesday going and doing my own thing, just went and blasted myself. And I most days I'd, I'd come back and I'd, I'd do something myself. But Wesley, when, when showed because we got relegated. <laughs> but when it, it, when we used to go out on a Tuesday and the gaffer knew we were going out and whoever else knew we were going out, we would be prepared to work as hard for two hours. If he wanted to run us for two hours, oh, the Tuesday was a graft. They could it run us for two hours, graft. but because we all knew we were going out, it was like, right, come on, we can do this. It's not a problem. No matter whether you're spewing up or not, we'll get through it. An hour's time, we'll be having a pint together, something to eat, and we're going to laugh about how hard that was. Do you know what I mean? And, that, and that's the, the again, that, that shows that togetherness that we had. And, and people probably sit hearing it, and, but it, it's a massive thing within football. If you've got, even if you have one or two people that are going in a different direction, it's, it makes a dressing room, it makes everything harder. Whereas, and not everyone came out, not everyone drank, not everyone was out every week. But we didn't have any part of the dressing room that was going a different way. Yeah. Bef before we move on, I've got something's bugging me. That, um, there was another lad that came from Wolves with Chris at the same time, and I can't remember his name. I'm sure Dwayne. he's a mid. 
Jermaine. No. No, no. It was a midfielder. Oh. Danny Hughes. Danny Hughes, that's yeah. it. Because I lived in, You know, he's a copper now. Oh, is he? Or he was. He'll... Because we played... I don't know I don't know where I was, but we played away at Tramia. And um, just about to get on the bus, there's a bit, of, a bit of a theme here. Just about to get on the bus and I feel a tap on my shoulder. And there's this... <laughs> this copper like standing there like looking at me and I was like yeah oh, we tapped before and, he, and then he, he like took his hat off and smiled and I was like oh my days <laughs> like I said to him I said how are you even a policeman you, you're scared of your own shadow yeah. he, was, he was quite he was quite a big lad yeah. Yeah, yeah. we um, we lived together at um, Mr. Hornsey's house oh, me right. him, and Simon Miotto <laughs> what a combination together. that was we lived together and I always remember right Danny used so when I used to come home on a weekend he used to stay up and I always used to leave like I'd just leave whatever it was in the cupboards and whenever I used to come back on a Sunday they'd all, I'd open the cupboard and there'd always be like a stack of money and I'm like bloody hell he's hit me Jaffa cakes again <laughs> what are you instead of just replacing the money. them he used to just leave a stack of money all the <laughs> time. If I ever left Jaffa Cakes and he'd go through like, because he was quite a big lad. I think he used to, I don't know if he like struggled with his weight. He'd go through like, he'd binge eat and then he'd like have cabbage soup for the next three weeks. I tell you what, not many Hartlepool fans will remember the name Simon Miotto, but what a character he was. He was an Australian goalkeeper. I think he'd been... You know, he's an agent now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to come on to that. He... He was. He could talk the talk. He was like the gift of the gab, and yeah. he'd been at other clubs. and And someone sent us a thing where he'd done some modelling for like a double glazing thing, and he didn't have a care in the world. Honestly, you could say anything to him, and he just didn't care. And then he, he used to like the ball would go in the net, and he would dive like after the ball was already in the net. He was, he was like, a bit hype way after. He, he was like hyper, wasn't he? He was like. Yeah. So anyway, um. Few years later, he turned up, right? So he'd gone from Hartlepool and disappeared off the face of the earth. No one seen him. And he, tur- he turned up on the bench at Juventus. He was like on the bench for Juventus. We were like, how the hell is he there? He couldn't get in our team, <laughs> right? But I reckon he just talked as we into it. And then yeah. I remember going to, to Newcastle, St. James's Park to watch Stevie Howard play for Derby. So I'm, I've gone to the players' lounge after and I hear this voice and I'm like, "That's there can only be one person that speaks like that. <laughs> Loud Australians. So I've turned around and he's come walking over, giving it like the big and he's got all his suit and that on. I was like, what are you doing in here? He's like, oh, I'm an agent now. I'm, I'm looking after such and such. And he was naming all these top players. I'm like, how the hell is he? But he, he could get in anywhere because he could yeah. just talk the talk. He was one of the worst goalkeepers that we ever had. But as a character, he was amazing. You know, I, I used to walk in sometimes. So obviously we had a room each and I'd walk into, into the lounge and he'd be stood up against the um, patio window, but on his head. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd just, he'd just be doing like a headstand, but just on his head like this. I used to be like, like what are you doing? Thinking like one false move and you're going to break your neck. And then I think, you know, maybe he's just going to do it for like 30 seconds and he'd just, he'd just be there. He was red in the face, sweating. I'm like, why would you even do that? There's no explanation for it. He didn't never give me like... He didn't never explain it. Never explain it. He just used to go and 
do a do a headstand. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll come on to another Australian in a bit. Um, I'm sure, but just t- talking about obviously we room together every. So if we were fit, we would room together. Everyone knew that. All right, so we'd always get in the room and put you. Where's he having that bed? Ah, that bed. I would all join a cup of tea, and it was very very civilized. Our sort of room, you know. What I mean, there was never anything. Um, any issues, never any bother. You get comfortable room with each other. I would always go to bed early. Westy would have the telly on, go to sleep. I would always be up early. And it was just, it just worked, you know what I mean? And there was only one time where I ever got upset with him. Only one time. And I'll never forget it. We either going to pre-match or just had pre-match. And I got to have a shower and I couldn't get out of the toilet and like the shower room. I was like slamming the door and I, Anyone who knows me knows I hate being late. I just, it, it's my biggest thing. I have to be on time. So I was stressing like mad and I just couldn't get out. And he put, you put a chair up against it. I don't know why he'd done it, <laughs> but he put a chair up against the door handle in the bathroom. So I couldn't get out of the bathroom. And, I, and he just put, you went down for pre-match, didn't you? And just left us there. It's the only argument we've ever had, I think. <laughs> that's the line. That's the laugh of a man who'd do it again today. I don't even know why I've done it, to be honest. I don't. I remember coming out of the room, though, and I was sweating because of how hot it is in the little bathroom. I was like, Wesley, I can't even play now. I'm not this, I'm not that. I feel like weak because I've been in the bathroom for half an hour. So he just sat there giggling his head off. But then he turned in a man of a match performance, so... <laughs> not sure about that. <laughs> to be fair, ours was a formidable room. No one messed with our room. Yeah, yeah. They, they tried, a few tried. Some utmost, strong rooms, what? Utmost respect, room. <laughs> Otherwise, we kick right off. <laughs> what then through through Hartlepool, and obviously, so many good times, Westy, over the time. What what memories stand out? What games stand out? I, I have to ask you about this little period in in two thousand and four when you just went goal crazy as well. By the way, when you just yeah, where I was, I was on Atrix every week. <laughs> <laughs> I think he scored more goals in a fortnight than Mickey did in his whole Hartlepool career. All right, no. <laughs> yeah, I was on fire when I was just, it was just one after the other. I remember we played, I think it was Stockport yeah. and um, Ashley Williams. So I always remember that like people saying, because obviously he's from my way and a few of my mates knew him from um, the Albion youth set or whatever. And I always remember him saying like, we look alike. And he was marking me when I scored the two goals. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, you forget things, don't you? And it's only because of the, the Hartlepool thing on Twitter. But I was like, God, this is a good spell he's had here. Like every sort of day on Twitter, he's scoring another goal and um, some decent ones as well. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Just everything. I, I remember arguing with Boydie one game. We both scored two. But obviously he was on penalties and I was like, you're not. Not, not this game, you're not. <laughs> if we get a penalty, I'm never going to have a chance to score a hat-trick. You've got plenty of chances. You're young. You're a striker. I said, I'm on penalties today. <laughs> what, did you score a hat-trick? No, nah, no, nah, I, I didn't. But we were arguing about if we oh. did get a penalty. Oh, right. Penalty. I was going to say, I can't remember that. No, no, no. That would have been... Was that the, the older shot game? Yeah, yeah, I think we won 5-1 five, five five, or 5 nil. yeah. Yeah, so um, Aaron, Aaron McLean played up front for them. Right, was that right? Yeah. And uh, when I went to Peterborough, well, I played for Warsaw against him first and added him in my pocket. And then when I went to Peterborough, 
I said, bloody hell. I said, I know, I know why you're smiling so much. And he was like, oh, wow. I went, because you could never get past me, so you've asked them to sign me. <laughs> what what kind, what do what are the standout moments for you at Hartlepool? What what things come to your mind when you think about playing for Hartlepool? Um my my 45 yarder against Oldham, grass cutter, worm killer. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, to be fair, like most of my most of my like good moments aren't like they're not like goal scoring moments or they're not yeah. they're not personal moments they're just like they're just of how much how much of a team we were do you know what I mean and it was just every day every day you'd just go in and and it was just like an absolute pleasure I've got obviously I've got moments but like my overall thing was the bond that we had and, and that we still have do you know what I mean it's it's something that I've I've never had to think. I, I, don't get me wrong, I've had good times at other clubs and success, but like what we had was just different. It was I don't know. I suppose my probably the biggest moment for me would be the sending off at yeah. Millennium because it was my last game, and I knew yeah. that unless we went up, I was going. You know what I mean? The only thing that could have saved me was going up. Um, so I suppose that's that's probably the, the standout moment for me, like in terms of personal. Yeah, I think we've had a lot of people ask about that, Mark, haven't we? Ask about yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've heard you speak about that a lot over the years. I don't know if you have. I don't know if you've been on the record about it. I don't know if you how how often you've watched it when the last time you was I've watched it once. Really? Once. Yeah, and that was only recently. That I think I think you were talking about it on one of the um, what's it called. I think I was getting a bit because I get I get stick about it all the time. Um, <laughs> I always get oh we'd be in the Premiership now if. if you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't be working in a school either if you hadn't. You know what I mean, my deflection is well, if Home Santa missed that penalty, do you know what I mean? We'd probably, <laughs> we probably wouldn't have even had to play that game. We'd have probably already been up there. So now it's it it was one of them things like. It was obviously heartbreaking because in I knew that unless we went up to the championship, I was leaving because that was the only way I could sort of get out of it. Um, and I, I always remember this because we were out, me, Mickey, I think, I think Clarkie was there. There was a few of us there and we were in, you know, that pub on the quayside, the Aiken side? Yeah, yeah. The pub that's sort of down a little bit from there. It's like quite a fashionable yeah, I, it, to be honest, I don't know what it's called. It's changed its name about seven yeah. times. It's right on the corner of the quayside. We yeah. walked past it the other day and I was asking, yeah, yeah. Well, was it Chase? We might have been Chase. Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's right on the corner. Yeah, yeah. We were in there. We were, we were having a bit of a night out in there. And um, the agent that I, that I spoke to, um, that was the final day of the deal. Because I just kept putting like things in front of, like I was saying, oh, I'm not happy about that. I'm not happy about that just to try and get out of it, really. Because what happened was, how it went down was, obviously, my my oldest lad, he was he was about to start school. Um, and my missus at the time, um, she was, like, from down this way. And because we, we had the bond that we had at the club, I didn't feel like... I didn't feel like the need to... 
like have any other influence around me. I was just like total football. Do you know what I mean? So, and and she had she had a few friends, few of the other girls like that were friends and that. But obviously, it was a bit unsettled. And it was just one of them. Like one day, we just said she just said, "Ah, oh, if we get a chance to to go back down south, close to home, like would you do it?" Um, Che's about to start school, um, and I want to get him settled at school. So I was like, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, no problem." And then we played Warsaw away. And they had Matty Fry was up front. And I think it was Joe Chim or someone like that. And we had a good game against them anyway. And then a couple of days later, gets a phone call off, um, you know, Marvin. Marvin Johnson. I can't think of his second name. He used to play for Derby and Stoke. He called me up anyway. I don't know where he got my number from. He just called me up and he's gone, um, oh, um, I've got this agent wants to speak to you. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'd never had an agent. I'd always just sorted out my own deals. So then I says, yeah, yeah, tends to call me. Rings me up. Merce wants you at, uh, at Warsaw. Oh, yeah, because Merce was there, wasn't he? So I was like, she was sat right next to me. So she heard the conversation. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, like, well, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll consider it. Do you know what I mean? And obviously, the closer it got to it, so I've had I've had talks with them. They're sorting out a deal. The deal was like I'd have been better staying financially. Do you know what I mean? But obviously, it was this chance to to go back home. So um, I was in I was in the I was in the bar with these lads, and I remember getting this final phone call. I would put that, that many obstacles in front of them, thinking, "Oh, they're not going to they're not going to like jump over all these." Jumped over a more. It was about three months. It went on for about three months trying to get me. So then he's gone to me, right? Yep, they've agreed to this. And I was like, like what, what do I do now? So I said, right. I'm gonna, I said, the only reason I'm not going to come is if we go up. Agree to it. And like, that was the agreement. So I'd signed um, a pre-contract, which he hadn't sent off. So it hadn't been sent off. So obviously we... we Gets all the way to the final. I'm praying we go up. My, my missus is already packed, ready to go. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then, obviously, in the final, what happens, happens. And that's why that's why I was so gutted, because I knew it was going to be my last thing. But after that, so I tried for about a couple of weeks. I, I was going and seeing Maureen every day. I spoke to the FA. I spoke to everyone I could to try and get out of this deal. And the only way I could get out of it was if Merce didn't send off the um, the form. So I remember like pleading with him, like he'd said to my agent, oh, I'm going to make him my captain. Um, tell him not to worry. Um, I was the same when I left Arsenal and joined um, Villa. Like I, I didn't want to go, but it'll work out for him. And I was like, I said, listen, tell him I don't want to play for him. I was like, like, what more can you want? I said, he's trying to make me captain. I'm telling him I don't want to play for him. So, like, just rip the thing up. He's like, nah. He said, if they want you, they've got to buy you back for 50 grand. So I was like, I'm still in contract. My contract don't end until the 30th of June. And in the end, I couldn't get out of it. And I remember coming out of Maureen's office and, like, just being like, Got it. The club, the club, like tried everything. 
not not to obviously the club tried everything to keep me, but it wasn't like it was never financial. I'd have been better off staying. Yeah, offered me like two years with an option, and then they said, "Well, you can change it to three years if you want to leave after a year. You can leave." It set me up like um, a thing. Who's the guy that we used to work at, Pete Lee? Like quite a good-looking fella. Like, uh, like Prescott. Yeah. I've gone to see him about doing like some kind of college like study thing, like in my spare time. So it was all set up. They got they got um, Che into a school in I think it was Heart Village, and apparently it's like a really good school. They only have so many kids there. To be fair, they couldn't have done any more. But it was just the fact that obviously I was, I was I was coming home. But the day that it happened, oh man, it absolutely like broke my heart. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't like. I think it was like a double whammy, wasn't it? It was like you yeah. lost out on that promotion, but you knew losing out on promotion also meant you were leaving the club. Yeah. Which, to be fair though, I know I know what you like and. If you're you put family first, no matter what, and and that shows that you've done that because it, you could easily say, "No, I'm stopping here because I enjoy it. Here and I want to stay here." But you, you in that situation, you put your family first, don't you? Yeah, well, you have to, don't you? Because at the end of the day, your career ends. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's one of them. Like I remember, I remember t- talking to Scotty. Um, so obviously, he's calling me in now because he's going to get the job. Um, and I remember he called me and said, um, I need to talk to you. So he calls me in the office, um, sits me down. He says, right, um, I've got someone going to come around to your house and going to give you a thousand pound if you stay. And I was like, I said to him, I said, it's not about money. I said, if, obviously, if it was about money, I'd, I'd have signed. You know what I mean? Like, it's never about that. We're going to, um, you get to a testimonial. We're, we're going to do this, this and this. And I was like, Scotty, it's not about money. Yeah. And then he said to me, he said, he said, you're not giving me a chance. And I was like, what are we talking about? He went, you gave Chris a chance, you gave Newley a chance, and you gave Coops a chance. You're not giving me a chance. And I was like, I said, it's nothing personal to you. I said, like, I said, I said, all right. I said, I said, I'll tell you what then. I said, if we do well next season, if we done well and I stayed and Sunderland came in for you, gave you a three-year deal, Blah blah. I said, "Would you would you say, oh no, I'm going to stay because Wesley stayed for me?" I said, "No, you wouldn't. You'd go." I said, "And would you take me with you?" No, you probably wouldn't. So, like, I said, loyalty works both ways, and like, I don't feel like I've, I've not given you a chance. I, like, it is what it is. Do you know what I mean? It was just it was just timing. It was the, the time of the was right for you to leave at the time, wasn't it? Even though you might not have wanted to, it was the timing of what was right in the bigger picture for your family. So like you said, it was never about the money. It was never about you wanting this, that and the other. It was about that your family come first rather than football. And and I think everyone can understand that, can't they? Moving, sorry, Mark. I'm, I was just going to move on to a bit of a lighter note. And we've had a couple of questions about haircuts. Okay. All right. <laughs> Bracker wants to know, <laughs> did you only get your braids because he had them in Magaluf? Yeah, that is a fact. <laughs> and do you want to tell the story about Coops having to go at your hair at Grimsby? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Grimsby away. Um, it's blowing a gale. It's 
absolutely peeing down with rain and we can't get out of our half. So every ball that's coming, I think I might have played, I think I might have played right back that game. Yeah, yeah, you did. Uh. Yeah. Every ball that's coming, you're heading it and it's 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 not it's going and then it's just coming back. So at half time, we're obviously not having the best of the times. Coops has gone, and you, since you started growing your hair, you can't hit a ball. And I was like, uh, what's hair got to do with the ball? I said, it's, it's like still hard underneath, you know what I mean? It was like, ah. You know, you know when, when Coops first signed, um, obviously turned out to be a great guy, but when he first signed, I thought I was out the door. Because even though I'd done well, he just kept bringing left centre halves in, didn't he? <laughs> he bought Hopi in, he bought Scotty Walker in, Andy Jordan. Yeah. And then in that lead up to to the first game, I hadn't played. And then you play the Newcastle game. Um, and that's the game where they always say, oh, don't read anything into this team. And I wasn't in that team. And then that was on the Friday. On the Saturday, I played in the Stiffs at, um, at Whitby. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm not starting. Like... And then we went down to Peterborough. Was it Peterborough? Bristol yeah, City. Yeah. Peterborough. Peterborough. Went down to Peterborough. I'm sat there like thinking, well, I'm not playing. Name's a team. Oh, we're playing three at the back. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up playing. I was like, like, where has that come from? And then obviously we just went from strength to strength there. But when he first came, I thought, he's not having me here. Let's get bringing left centre halves in. <laughs> He was some bloke to work for, though. I bet you had you, you obviously loads. Oh, of- we we had some great laughs, didn't we? A lot of the things have obviously been mentioned already, but yeah, he, he was a top man. I think Scotty was Scotty was always the in the training sessions, always behind it. But he used to he used to just liven things up, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was honestly, you can't, you couldn't have asked for a better person to be in charge of a of a group of yeah sort of lads at the time. That were close anyway, and he just came in. I was going to say, a lot of ours were, I think, a lot of managers could have come in and we sort of ran ourselves, didn't we? Yeah. Like you said, like, as long as the manager was like kind of easygoing and not too regimented, in, and I think that's where Scotty went wrong. Like, personally, obviously, I wasn't there when he, when he, when he had his season, but like, I didn't think we needed too much. I think we were already set on a path and it just needed just like tinkering every now and again. And and it sort of ran itself. Um, and Coops, I thought, absolutely managed it absolutely like perfectly. I think you got someone coming in trying to rule with an iron rod and just it just didn't work. I think half the time because he wanted to come out with us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a guy. So, so what things what things do you miss about Hartlepool and Westy? And, and someone said, is it the ten pound all you can drink nights at Chicago Rock? <laughs> well, do you know, like this this uh, another thing about Shields. I remember taking him there, and we've gone in, and obviously you can drink as much as you want. So <laughs> we've got steaming. And next thing, you know that song, um, "Life Is a Roller Coaster." Oh yeah. So we're there at the bar. And this song's come on and he's ran. And there used to be like the round dance floor, didn't there? With like the, um, I don't know if you've ever been in there. There's a round dance floor. And it used to have like this like little fence thing around it. And he ran and he hopped over the fence and he slid on his knees. 
in the middle of the dance floor and he started going, life is a roller coaster. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, this is this guy's first beer. But yeah, like I used to have like, I used to go out with, go out all the time in Hartlepool. Like after, not, not all the time, but like on a Saturday, we'd, we'd normally go out after the games. And if we had a Tuesday and we had a Wednesday off, we'd go out and oh, it was, it was unbelievable. It was awesome. I think at the time, though, people, like, because you're doing well, you can get away with it. But people yeah. appreciated the people living in the town and, and sort of socialising the town. And, and like I said to Mark before, I'm the other type of person, if someone comes up and wants to have a chat and, and they're being friendly with you, you'll have a chat with them. You're not yeah. going to say, I'm think, not talking to you. And, yeah, I think that was the thing. I think, like, fans would, like, come up and be like, oh, like, is it? is it really you? Like, what are you doing out here? And I was like, well, I live around here. <laughs> this is my local, so why wouldn't I? And I'd be like, come on then, get the beers in. Do you know what I mean? And, and just people used to just come into the group. I think that's, that's. do you know what I remember about it is that you were one of the players at the time who, because you lived in the town, and I don't know, you might say this isn't true, I, this is my recollection of it, that every now and then you just call into the club for no reason. Yeah, yeah. Have a chat with Maureen or to come and speak to people in the offices, you know, because yeah, yeah. you lived in the town and it was like you there was an attachment there, wasn't it? Yeah, very much so. You know, when um obviously when my first game back, you know, when I came back to Hartlepool and and scored, like I remember when we pulled up on the bus, and I remember there just being like loads of little kids like lined up, and as I came off, they were like singing a song to me and cheering and that lot. And I remember getting off the bus thinking, like, oh, I don't know if I can play this game. I honestly don't know if I can play. And obviously I was captain. And I was thinking, like, my heart was, like, out of my chest. And and I just knew, I just knew I was going to score because we, we'd done all the set pieces. Um, and obviously I'd heard about Collins. Um What's his first name? Neil Collins, yeah. Neil Collins. Neil. He was marking me and I, I, I heard he was a bit of a thingy with the lads and that lot. And I just thought, like, I, I can I can see myself scoring. Do you know what I mean? And when it happened, I've never been so gutted to score a goal. I kid you not, I, 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 was, I was actually like, I was actually felt down about it. I remember walking back to the halfway and the lads are obviously all on me and that lot. And I remember thinking, oh, man. I... <laughs> I know it was weird. It was weird. And then obviously like to hear the fans like singing my name and clapping and that lot, it, it was just like, it, it was just surreal. Do you know what I mean? But I was actually gutted to score a goal. And then I thought I've got to get through the rest of this game now. And I, and I had a feeling that we're going to win one nil. And I was thinking, ah, oh, like I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to keep people out here. I'm going to have to, but then I was just thinking, listen, it's your job. Do you know what I mean? I'm still going to have the friendship with the lads and, I'm still gonna have the rapport with all the people there, and yeah, just one of them. Well, Mickey, that was fantastic uh, to catch up with Westy. He's one of them people, like you said right at the start. You know, he's one of them people when you talk to him, he just he, he builds your spirits up, doesn't he? He's a great lad. He does. He's, he, he's always been like that ever since I've known him. You know, and like I say, I've spent a lot of time with him, and and I've never heard anyone say a bad word against him. And 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 I think what you said before, he would often call in to the ground and, and have a cup of tea with Maureen or go and see Davey, the groundsman, and, and just generally look after people. And um, it's just a person that I can't even remember having many days when he wasn't happy. 
he's a happy person and and uh, he makes you feel better about yourself as well. So he's a, a fantastic fella, but a brilliant teammate to have. Absolutely. Well, it was worth coming out of our little pause again to, to catch up with him and uh, we'll see what we can do in the in the weeks to come. It's, it's going to be a busy period for me, certainly, in terms of uh, the fixtures yeah, that yeah. Got coming up. And I know well, I've, to be honest, I've got a really busy time because I've started watching Married at First Sight Australia. Oh, and I've got another... I've got another 35 episodes to finish it, so I'm going to have a busy couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, all the best with that. And um, thank you, everyone, for, for watching and listening as well. We hope you've enjoyed it. And, uh, well, we'll see you again next time, hopefully. Take care.